This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive com conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined by Mawera Karatai in Fakatani. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well. You got the review of your thesis back and it's positive? It's really positive. Um, the peer reviewer uh, made it sound like I've got a good chance of passing, so that's really good. <laughs> Yeah, if I complete nine pages worth of work, but uh, that's all well underway and and uh, and should definitely be done in time. So I'm pretty excited, Sam. I have to say, yeah. but I'm only there because of you and Martin working incredibly hard, and I'm grateful for that. Thank you. I think the headline is in the first line where it says, "Thank you for this amazing piece of work" or something like that. So yeah, I we'll thought Martin there. was joking. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. And who are we introducing today? Um, today is my great pleasure to introduce my mate Jan from Up the Road, also known as the Honourable Jan Tanetti. Uh, Jan is the List MP based in Tauranga, um, ex-principal of Maryvale School, doer of incredible deeds in the community, Minister of Internal Affairs and Women, Associate Minister of Education, an educator and an incredible human. I'm so glad to know you, Jan. Thank you for being on today. Uh, kia ora, Maria, and I'm really, really uh, happy to know you and count you as one of my friends. So I'm, I'm really happy to be here today. Welcome, Jan. How was your bubble life? Well, let's go for the first one. How was your big bubble life? <sighs> <laughs> my, my, my big bubble life. Um, Last year when we went into lockdown for the first time back in back early in 2020, I had one son and his brand new partner who had come home from the UK, his brand new partner I had never met. Uh, they came home two days before we went into lockdown and uh, they were self-isolating at those stages back then. We didn't have the MIQ, so they were self-isolating at home. We have a reasonably big house, so I had them downstairs and kept them downstairs for 14 days, and then uh, we were upstairs. And then my other son decided when lockdown was announced that he thought that it would be nice to come home for mum and dad's cooking. So he came home as well during that time. So I had the whole family at home. And I was a backbench MP then, so I was working uh, here in my in my now current bubble, but I was working here. I had to give up my office, so I was working off an ironing board uh, with my laptop, and it was really good. To be fair, it, we managed really seamlessly. My husband's into IT, so our network was really stable. We've got great internet. 
what a what a privilege to have my two adult sons home. I don't think it's a time that I'll ever have back again. I don't think we would have anticipated having it. And we just made the most of every day. And I know that it was really difficult for people because they would be coming to me with some of the issues. So we were able to help from within our bubble. And then this year with bubble, it's just my husband and myself here because my sons have moved on, uh, both in relationships up in Auckland, the same partner that we met last year, but the other one has a new partner. And they're up there. We had a um, three-hour family catch-up on Friday, and that was good over Zoom, and that was fantastic to have that. But I'm now a minister, and it's got really, really busy. And I thought that I was busy last year in bubble in my bubble life. This year, I'm hectic in my bubble life. And I just think we're so lucky to have the technology to be able to allow us to carry on and do the work that we can do. But as a minister, it's it's got real. It's real for the rest <laughs> of us. But, but in terms of like running the country... It, it's it's you yeah. and your mates. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So an average day for me starts, uh, I, I get up, I do everything that I would normally do. I put my full face of makeup on. I, I, I get dressed in my business clothes, apart from the bottom half because no one sees that. You know, I still wear my trackies and my slippers for my Zoom calls. But I have my, my nice clothes on top and I start with meetings probably Eight o'clock's probably the earliest that I would start, which is a little bit later than when I do face-to-faces. Usually I start around 7, 7.30. So eight's quite a, it's quite an okay sort of time to cope with. Uh, but I will then have maybe 10 meetings in a day. I will see my office team probably, I could see my staff maybe five or six of those meetings during the day. Uh, it's really busy. So last Friday, we had course cabinet meetings that we have to have as well. Uh, We we made decisions around alert levels. But, you know, the the big things that we're discussing for my portfolios in relationship to my portfolios is how do I encourage uh, people to uptake on the vaccine? Because that's our most important piece of work that any of us as ministers are doing around beating this outbreak, but also ensuring that we get a really good coverage of the vaccine across the country as well. So it's really, really important work that we're doing to see how we can increase those levels. We're all working from home. Is it is it harder, do you think, working from home in terms of like they're being able to to turn off or to, to, to cause presumably you want to silo stuff a bit? from sort of family life and and big decisions. Is that harder when it's you're not getting a, a commute in which you can have a bit of a de-stress and an unwind? Oh, I think it's much harder. And I take my hat off to anybody who runs their businesses from home or who works at home as a rule. I think they're incredible that they're able to do that. I learn certain techniques that I will do. Uh, I... I meditate daily now, so I make certain that that's a switch-off time for me, but I'll do it in a room that's not in my office room. Um, my, my My office from Wellington has had two yoga sessions this week over Zoom. 
so that's really helped us to be able to switch off as well. One of my staff members is a yoga instructor, so we've been able to make use of that, and that's been helping the, the, the office. We also do a daily quiz as an office as well, so that we're checking in with each other to make certain that everybody's okay within our team. But it's hard in the fact that when I walk out of my office, I will go and watch the news and the news is full of what I've just been working on and that's really hard. So I probably don't go and do that so much now. I've, I would have done it maybe in the beehive, I would have turned the news on to watch, but now I've realised I'm not turning off and I've got to have those lines between uh, my family, working with my husband, talking with my husband and working as a minister. Um, but, you know, everyone's in the same boat. Everyone's got to learn what's what's right for them. And I think it does, it makes it easier for us all to know that we're all struggling with that. Um, so, you know, I, there are people that are well ahead of the game, further ahead than I am. And so I look for advice from other people. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Rolling Stones, a Jumping Jack Flash. Why this one? Um. I am a huge Rolling Stones fan. I've seen them in concert twice, once in Western Springs and once in Mount Smart. And just this week, I was in mourning like the rest of the world with the death of Charlie Watson. So when I was asked about my, my music choices, I love Jumping Jack Flash. It's one of my favorite Stones songs. And so I just had to have it today.
you have got some pretty hefty portfolios there with internal affairs, women and education. That is you've <laughs> some really complex things happening in, in those three spaces at the moment. One of the, um, in education at the moment, um, I've made an observation over the last while that our kids have got these big negative walls in front of them between them and their future. And there, there's a brick called climate change and a brick called the future of work and a brick called COVID and addiction and an impending global financial crisis, which will happen again at some point. There's so much negativity around our kids. And how, how do you reckon we help them bridge that? I think that's a really, really good question. It's one that I've been dealing with this week, in fact, around how we support our young people to be a bit more future focused and and don't don't stay with the negative to to look and how that they can be the makers of change in their world as well. And I think that's a really important element that we need to be able to get across because it's very easy to to dwell on the negatives and not not look be able to look at how we can be the change makers. So one of the areas that I've been talking about is how do we how do we do that in the climate change space? How do we get these young people with these terrible thoughts, terrible things that they are seeing happening in the world and they think that their future is completely doomed? How do we get them to know that they can be the change makers and they can force change? We've seen some really good examples in the climate this climate strikes for change and the young people that can come forward in those spaces but how do we take that and get real action from those young people that they can see that they can be a voice for action so one of the things that's happening for us at the moment is in terms of a curriculum change and I think this is one of the most important changes to our curriculum that we've had for quite some time it's called a curriculum refresh because we do have a pretty good curriculum here in this country but we need to for our young people to have the framework of knowledge understand and do and it's the doing that's really important to be future focused you need to know what it is that you can do and so we're working through with a variety of ministers other ministers in these areas so um, honorable james Shaw is one of the ministers that i'm working with in the climate change space for example of what is it that we can get our young people involved in and doing to make those changes. So, and it's not just lip service changes, we need to see real changes and our young people are the key in that. And I think that that helps them have a much more of a focused view of the world that, that they know that they can be involved in the changes that we need to see. But I also think at the same time, we do need to have the supports around our young people because mental health is a really big issue. And so we've got counsellors going into schools. And yes, we need to roll that out even further, but we've made a start and we've made a start at primary school because it's not just about our secondary kids at secondary school, it's about our young people as well, even younger than that. You know, we need to be putting out mental health supports around those young people so that they're learning resilience and the coping skills. So we've got 129, I think it is, new schools, primary schools that are sort of piloting a counsellors in schools program for us. We're also looking at one of the best uh, examples of mental health support that we've had was after the Christchurch earthquakes uh, in the, our last term of government, 
We put in Manaaki in Christchurch, which breaks down the barriers between health and education and has a whole lot of wonderful mental health supports going in for young people. And it's showing amazing results. And again, it starts right down with really, really young children, um, helping them cope with that resiliency. And from there, we're going to be rolling it into new five five new DHB areas. So I'm pretty excited about that work. But again, that's not to crow about it. We can't just say, oh, stop, we've done enough. This is a hugely important issue and we need to keep going and keep looking at the different supports and actions that our young people can be involved with. One of the things that Sam and I talk about often is this the idea of, I mean, I, I've heard them called pathway plans, but that just sounds a bit naff as a name, but um, the, this idea of starting with these little guys around four or five and teaching that future thinking, what do you want to be when you grow up? What does that look like? Let's draw a picture of it. Tell me where you live and, and how do you live and what do you eat? And like, like getting the kids to really vision that future and then keeping that conversation going all through their schooling um, and, and it's going to change and, and what they want to be when they grow up will change so much but that doesn't matter what the actual I want to be a when I grow up that doesn't matter it's the ability to think it and and what what Sam Sam and I were talking about it and Sam said and once they get to that stage around that sort of 12 13 14 years old then it stops being about what do you want to be when you grow up and becomes which problem do you want to solve and actually giving our kids that ability to solve problems and because we've enabled them with that ability to think the future so now we have to say wow you you've got this real cool vision for the future and you've learned all this stuff what problem do you want to solve and how can we resource you to do that and i think that's fantastic yeah, what a fantastic conversation and exactly where we need to be going let's go there now <laughs> let's do it <laughs> We've got a team of three. We can do it. We can do it. That's fantastic. One of the things that the pandemic has taught us as a society is that we can do stuff when we put our, set our minds to it. That that we can decide on a Monday to, to shut down on the Thursday or, or, or even quicker this time. But the but what's been asked of us is is not very much. You know, stay home and watch Netflix is is not really doing. Do you, but do you think we can learn from that doing, even though it's not doing? Oh, absolutely. I think we can. I keep wherever I go, uh, and I'm talking to different groups all the time. I talk about the fact that the pandemic has been the biggest disruptor to us as a society that we've seen in recent memories. And I always say that with disruption comes opportunity. And I think that we have this amazing opportunity now to relook at how we do things and what we can do and what we need to do. There's a whole lot of people out there who have taken this disruption and taken this time to say, how can I change? What, what can I do to help with society's issues? Uh, I, I meet those people on a daily basis and they've taken this time to 
to look at the disruption that's been caused and it's like a change in the, the road for them in a, in a different way. So I think all of us take that on board and definitely there's things that I'm doing now, even in this job that I'm doing now, that I wasn't doing pre-pandemic. Uh, so, you know, things have changed up quite a lot. With disruption comes opportunity. Let's not waste that opportunity. So we've had lots of people talking about the opportunity of the the pandemic. Some some people are seeing it as a, a back to business as usual, a reset. But other people are thinking more expansively, perhaps talking about the Rahui and a regeneration. What do you see it as in those terms as an opportunity? So I'm going to stick with a couple of my portfolios here. But for me... Um, and I'm going to put my Minister for Women's hat on here. One of the areas for women is that women have been disproportionately impacted by labour market shocks in history. Every single, we could go back to every single labour market shock, and let's just go to the most recent two prior to the pandemic, the global financial crisis and the Christchurch earthquakes, so the most recent ones here in, in New Zealand. Uh, women were hit hard in that, again, they their employment was hit hard, unemployment figures rose really sharply for women. Uh, again, women got to take on jobs at home of the unpaid work at a higher rate than men. A whole lot of things were happening for women in that space. But if that's happened throughout history, why are we getting to another global market shock, labour market shock in the pandemic and where exactly the same thing's happening? What have we done to change? And I'm saying, you know, maybe that's not good enough. Maybe we need to take this disruption that we've got now and we need to look at long-term changes. So I see the pandemic in my woman, with my woman's hat on is the biggest opportunity that we've had to make positive changes for women. And so we're now developing a Women's Employment Action Plan. We're looking at developing a national strategy for women, which we haven't had in this country for nearly 20 years. Uh, we're looking at how we can get to the next labour market shock, and there will be one. I don't know when that will be, but there will be one. History tells us there will be one. And we're not having the same conversation. We need to address the inequities that are there and we need to address some of the, the huge issues that are still there for women and my colleague, Minister Davidson, working in the space of domestic and sexual violence. You know, we need to address those issues and, and not just talk about them. We need to, to, to work through them and that's why I've given my support to Minister Davidson and said what we whatever we can do as the Minister and the Ministry for Women, we will do to help you in that space. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou ko tāhuahau. I hope you're all having a good start in your beloved houses. I really hope wherever you are is happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proven to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect unique here making them thank you now i know that for all of us for more than a year now we've been through this very intense times together and i'm so grateful for this it's made a huge difference to me i want to say a big thank you to sam and the whole blown bubbles team for having me thank 
Now I know that for all of us it's so important to acknowledge that our lives have changed and are changing. It's so important to be kind to ourselves in this difficult time of transition and change. And part of this is realising, I think, that we're all experiencing this uniquely as well as collectively. And so the best thing that we can do for ourselves is to be our own best friend and think about all of the ways that we care and all of the ways that we love our dear friends and those people in our lives, all of the great lengths that we go to to care for them and understand them, appreciate them, empathise with them give them sympathy and our ear, our shoulder, all of the ways that we care for others. It's so important we can also give that care and nurturing to ourselves. And as a species, we are inclined towards nurturing and we are inclined towards community. So this time when we are apart from one another is a great strain here in lockdown level four again. And so as much as we can, if we can reconnect with that sense of nurturing and community via ourselves. This is very helpful. I think also as a species we're inclined towards comparison and that can be helpful at times as a way to find meaning and understand. We are inclined towards seeing how things change over time and so for us as a species there's so much to process. This pandemic has really changed so much for us and I think we're still understanding that. I know that for me, I have realised that I have to really rally those aspects of myself that are the caretaking aspects and really call them to the fore and do my best in this time to really utilise those skills of nurturance and care for myself and for those who I love. It is a difficult time as all and so that inner caretaker that we all possess I think needs to be called forward at this time and as much as we can do what is going to help us and this might mean doing things differently from how we have in the past this might mean making sure that we have time and space for ourselves every day this may mean writing down our our thoughts, feelings, emotions in a way that we can better understand them this might mean really focusing on our our self-care making sure we're getting enough sleep and food and making sure we're getting our walk if we can. And these quite fundamental and basic things can really help when we are experiencing a difficult time. So I really hope for you, you're able to call forward that inner caretaker with you and be your own best friend at this time. Thank you for all the love and care that you're always showing to those around you. hope some of that love and care can now go towards yourself. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles or talking with Jan Tanetti. Jan, you can see how change can happen with that sort of energy and that sort of collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. You know... I my energy comes from the people that I work with and the team that are around us and so the ability to be able to do what I'm doing and to have the conversations that I'm doing have come from the invitation of the Prime Minister. It was her that phoned me um, in December and said uh, we, we know that there's an issue here for women and we think that you as Minister for Women and your ministry 
can make a difference here. So she gave me the invitation to be able to do this work. And so now the sky's the limit for us because we've had that go ahead and that invitation to work in this space. And my energy comes from the energy that she's given me and the permission that, that the team around me have given me to go there. That's perfect. We were talking before about well-being, and I saw on the other day on Facebook you posted something about the well-being of decision makers and and essential um, workers. Are you lot doing all right? Yeah, it can be really hard though. I, look, I, personally, I'm doing well. I'm not one of the COVID response ministers, so I do I support in the background so i give my support to the ministers i do worry about them though uh you have to learn to have a very thick skin but sometimes a thick skin is that's hard even as well and i you know will check in with my colleagues daily you sometimes can pick up from people that things are a little bit more stressful um, you learn you learn not to do things not to read too much social media you know i used to love social media now I'm just putting stuff on there and then I leave it because it can be, it, it can suck the joy out of you if you take too much on board from what's being said about that. And then I think, that's me. Imagine if it was Minister Hipkins or the Prime Minister or those people. So everybody wraps around. Everybody is really good. It's a great team because everybody is really good in wrapping around. And none of these people are making decisions or doing what they do for their own ego. They're doing it for the better of the country. And and that's so amazing to be part of that team that is working so hard for the good of the country and puts that above themselves every single time. Did you have a bit of a laugh as, as, a, as a group over Chris Hipkins' slip of the tongue last week? Oh, we loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know there's a T-shirt? There's it, I bought the T-shirt. It's coming. There's actually a T-shirt available, print made by a Fakatani-based company, and I'm so excited to get mine. It was brilliant. I haven't seen that yet. I'll have to. You'll have to send me a picture of us. <laughs> that's very cool. No, we we absolutely had a laugh, and that's. I think that's a really good sign too, is that we can laugh at ourselves. So, and I have to say that Chris absolutely was able to laugh at himself right from the word. I think even on that press conference, he had a good laugh at himself as well. <laughs> So we're recording this on Sunday because when we go to air, you'll actually be in the cabinet meeting making the decision about what happens, particularly to Auckland, on on Wednesday. So we don't know, you don't know at this point. But what I'm interested in is the process that you're going through. Is is that sort of well-being explicitly at the forefront? Is it science-led explicitly at the forefront? How are you? You know, what's the mindset that you have in those cabinet meetings? So it's a bit of everything. So we look at the science that's involved and all the latest information that comes through. And also we discuss these decisions, I should say right from the word go, are not made lightly. So as much information as the Ministry of Health and um 
the Director General, Ashley Bloomfield, is able to talk us through and give to us the better. And sometimes ministers will ask for specific information and that needs to be, people need to go away and find that information. So it could be, it is science, it is well-being. All of that is taken into to, um, consideration. Science is huge and the science on this is just incredible. And I've not come from a science background myself and I kind of wish I did now because it's science is incredible learning all this different different uh, way that things in the world is seen. I will say it's amazing to have incredible people in our cabinet such as Dr Aisha Verrill who this is her area, epidemiology is her area and uh, infectious diseases. So looking at what she brings to it and how she brings this very clear, uh, very straight down the middle line of this is this is the facts and this is how it is. And so it just really helps all of us to hear that pragmatic way that she has about it because that's been her whole life. Um, but But having said that, we will talk about people's mental health. We will talk about how hard it is for different people in different groups of people. So there's a lot that comes into those decisions. And we will have the very latest information that's available too, which is why I have no idea today on a Sunday of what decisions are made tomorrow, because today is not the latest information. Tomorrow is the latest information. And that comes to us as it stands right there and i think that's really important to know for people to know as well and it does go all around the room as every, you know every, everybody's asking questions yeah absolutely it goes everybody has the opportunity um, no decision has been made when we go into that room uh, although you know people might have an idea but no decision has been made people have the opportunity and it takes as long as it takes so it is a it's a very good decision making process. But you know, what what we say in that room is not privy outside of that room. So um, and that's the beauty of cabinet is that it's a really trusted environment as well. And you're, it's not just COVID. You, you're presumably still having to discuss all the other stuff you would have been talking about anyway. Oh, absolutely. We've still got an agenda that we go through. So it takes a wee while but we've still got an agenda that we will work through and you know a lot goes through there and we've still got a country that's running alongside COVID. Let's take the second of your music choices let's have Super Groove can't get enough why this? I am a huge Super Groove fan as well I've got a very eclectic taste in music uh, and I love Super Groove they, this particularly this reminds me of when I was first married nearly 30 years ago not long after that and uh, we used to travel around the country in a combi van and Super Groove was one of our favorites that we used to play in the combi van and I saw Supergroove when they reformed probably maybe 10, almost 10 years ago now. Uh, here in Tauranga, we had, they had a concert here and I thought they were just as great as they ever were. And, you know, just a great New Zealand band. And it's kind of funky music.
Having an abundance of platonic relationships, reminiscent of my man Mike Plato. I was running down the street, just screaming, I was blind, but I lost my voice like I lost my mind, and I couldn't get another, couldn't get another, couldn't get another, couldn't get another, couldn't get another. And you're a teacher, a principal. Are you missing that? Oh, I miss it every day. Um, you know, that, that, was my, that was my passion and my dream job was being a teacher and a principal and the difference that I could make in young people's lives. And I'm a reluctant politician. I was asked four times before on the fifth time I said yes to standing for Parliament, standing for the Labour Party. I did not want to go into Parliament. But I did go in the end because I did have, uh, and when I was phoned the fifth time, I had a young person in a couple of days after that who had sadly committed suicide. And I just had this feeling that I could be making the difference on their lives on a day-to-day, but I wasn't making long-term systemic changes. And these horrible things were still going to happen to them. And it really, really impacted on me. And that young man lives with me every single day in my head about that's the reason why I'm doing what I do. So when I did get elected into Parliament, I grieved for about six months and then I picked myself up and said, 
you need to get over this and you need to uh, do what you came here to do. And so I worked really hard as a backbencher, really enjoyed my time as a backbencher. Uh, and then in November was uh, brought into Cabinet as a minister. And, yeah, I can now make those changes that I've wanted to, to make for quite some time. And it's a very privileged position to be in. But every single day I think of what I can be doing to make lives better for the young people that I had in front of me. So do they, the, the skills, the, the attributes of a, a teacher, are they stood you in good stead? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, particularly as a principal, there's, as a minister, I have to make decisions on the spot. And as a principal, I had to do that. I had to do a lot of reading as a principal. As a minister, I probably have to do about 10 times the amount of reading I did, but I still can read and digest information very, very quickly. I think dealing with the public with skills that as a principal I learned over the time, it might be a, quite a surprise to different people, but I'm quite a shy person. And uh, that that is something that I've had to deal with. And I learned that as a principal to get over that shyness. And that's come through into um, the MP work. So, yeah, teacher skills. I, I used to think as a teacher, what else could I do? I didn't realise I had so many transferable skills. As a teacher and a principal, I had so many transferable skills that I've now learned. Teachers are amazing. Indeed. So I have some questions to end the show with, and not very much time, so we shall have to be quick. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Uh, for me, coming in and being a minister, becoming a minister, and getting through some of the key areas that I've really wanted to work on. So we've got some key announcements being made in the learning support area shortly around a big review in that area um, that has been signalled in the past. I'll be seeing that through learning support is my passion and always has been in edu education. So to me, that's the biggest the biggest area of success probably hasn't quite happened, but the fact that I can get it to this point, I still think is a huge area of success. We're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. Actually, there's two books. One of them is Mawira's thesis. But the other one that's not written yet is called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's the superpower that's got you into the mansion? Aha! <laughs> Um, gosh, that's that's I, I'm I'm quite a person that that doesn't always talk highly of myself at all. But I think one of the things that that I uh, I think has got me to where I am at the moment and could get me into that team would be the fact that I will listen and learn from others always. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Yes. <laughs> Quite short answer that one, but yes. <laughs> You're still allowed to be in your in your current role? Is that an activist role? Yes, absolutely. You're still allowed to be an activist because you're bringing your own ideas around activism to the table. To just, sometimes it doesn't it doesn't always get picked up, but you're still able to bring that and have that discussion. So and that's really important. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? 
the difference that I can make in young people's lives. It's it's more than young people, but young people are seeing what young people can achieve is what gets me out of bed every morning and the fact that I can be that difference for them. And I can help them have their voices heard. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? <laughs> I'm, I'm not a great one at giving advice, but I think at the moment this is my advice. Uh, go, if you haven't been to go and get your vaccine, go and get your vaccine. Uh, from this week, everyone can book in. And at the moment, it's 30 and over can book in. But from this week, everyone will be able to do that. You can book your vaccine at bookmyvaccine.nz or by calling the 0800 number. Thank you. And be kind. Absolutely. Always be kind. Always be kind. Why do you think that be kind message has worked so well? I think it's a permission to, to people, a permission to be kind. I think that... Uh, we were we were through social media we may have been listening to some advice over the years that was starting to become a bit more selfish and i think that it wasn't resonating with people but as kiwis i felt that we've always had a strong kindness as our moral backbone and i think that that be kind message has given permission for people to go back to who they've always wanted to be thank you for that mawera Jan, I've um, never, ever heard you say a bad thing or a bad word about anybody. You are so, you absolutely embody what it is to be kind. And I'm so glad that we've got you with your huge experience in those spaces that where you're working, where you can make the difference that you want to make. Thank you for the commitment that you've made to change. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for all you're doing. Thank you for joining us.
safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. Uh, this is Golden Horse. Don't wake me up. I'm Simon Sawyer's Baden with Nwira Karataya in Fakatani and in Tauranga, the Honourable Jan Tinetti. Well, that was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.